Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, it's great to be together today. Uh, good to see all of you. A special thank you to the band and our tech team and, and uh, all those that are serving today. So grab a Bible, if you would, start turning over to Mark chapter 9. And uh, we're conti- or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, we're continuing our message series through the book of Mark. And uh, I think you'll find today, um, just like all the other weeks, just so fascinating, uh, the teaching of Jesus. Today I want you to think about a question. Just one question, it's all you get. One question. If you had just a moment with Jesus, what question would you have for him? But you only get one. And I think you'll understand why I say that. Because um, Jesus is around crowds. In fact, if you look at last week's lesson, the crowds were gathering around. Remember, he fed 4,000. He fed 5,000 plus men and women. So we're in the tens of thousands of people are crowding. They're around Jesus. He's around people all the time. And so it's not like if you wanted to talk to him, I mean, if you're around a few thousand people and they're crowding around one person and you had a question, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to kind of get through the crowd and get up to Jesus to say, hey, can I ask you a question? Uh, It would probably be rather difficult. And so there's this man that we're going to see about uh, that he caught Jesus at such a moment that it was probably one of the only moments that he could actually like talk to Jesus And so he manages to get in front of Jesus and he comes to him and he has just one question, just one question. We're going to look at that in just a moment. So I want you to think about if you only had a moment and you could ask Jesus anything you wanted to ask him, what would you ask him? So with that being said, let's take a look and see what happened here. So Mark chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, pause. Boy, there's so much just in that one little bit to unpack for you. As Jesus started on his way, you might recall a few weeks back, uh, Jesus is intentionally, deliberately on his way to Jerusalem. He's pretty laser focused. He's going to Jerusalem. He's knows, he knows he's going to be turned over to the Pharisees. He knows he's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to rise three days later. He knows he's on his way. So when this starts out and says, as Jesus started on his way, it doesn't mean like he was just out for a, a walk. As he started on his way towards Jerusalem. He's actually on the east side of the Jordan right now. So he's heading westbound, and he's going to come down to the Jordan, cross the Jordan, on his way to Jerusalem. So when, he's, when he starts out, he started on his way. That was the only time that somebody could actually approach him. I mean, think about it. You're around all these people. You're healing. You're doing all these things. You're teaching. And he says, all right, let's go. So he leads away. He starts leading. And you could see probably like everybody kind of behind him. So there's a moment, there's a moment when somebody could run to him. It's probably the only time that somebody could actually get to him that wasn't 
like if you're in the crowd, you can't run. Only if somebody's coming from the front, which is why it says, you know, a man ran up to him because he was by himself walking forward. Man runs up to him and immediately falls on his knees. And he asks him just a simple question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that a great question? But I want you to make sure that you see the word do. What must I do? There's an implication in there that somehow I can do it. There's an implication in the question of just tell me what I have to do and I can get myself to heaven. Just, just tell me, if you tell me what I have to do and I do it, then I should be able to get to heaven. And so he's focusing on what do I do? Because that's normal. Most people think we have to do something to earn heaven. There's a general feeling and thought of people that good people go to heaven. If we're just good, whatever that means, good enough, then we get to go to heaven because of what we did. We hope we didn't do things that were so bad we can't go to heaven, but if we do enough good things then we can get to heaven, that's a general feeling, not correct according to the Bible, but so often people put their good and their bad on a scale and say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person because this is what I did, but, you know, hopefully what I did bad isn't as bad, and we get a little scared sometimes if, well, what if I did more bad than good? And we really fail to understand God and his purity that one, one, just one sin tips the scale all the way down that we're no longer perfect because God is perfect. And that negates the opportunity for us to do anything to get to heaven. We're born into sin. We're sinners. We're broken. And one sin is all it takes. Just one that says you can't get to heaven on your own. And it's only by God's grace that actually flips the scales the other way. It's only grace. It's nothing that we do or don't do. It's only God's grace that actually allows us to get to heaven because one thing that we do wrong flips the scales this way and we can't get to heaven. So he's asking, what do I have to do? Now, it's a great question when he comes up and he says, good teacher, because look at how Jesus responds. He said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. That's such an interesting thing. I had to unpack that. I had to go back and go deeper because I'm like, it almost seems like Jesus is saying he's not good. Actually, it's the opposite. Jesus knew he was God. And the man was right. He is good. God is the only one that we could say good. Good, good father. It's why we sing that song. You're a good, good father. He's the only one that is truly good, meaning pure. See, the man got it right. He just didn't know who Jesus was. Good teacher, only God is good. Hint, hint, you got it right because I really am God. And that's what he was saying to this man. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So God's, I, I love this about Jesus. He, he met the man where he's at. He didn't ask him, do you know the commandments? 
he said what? You know. It tells you immediately, Jesus knows him. He knows this man. He knows this man was taught the Scriptures. And we're going to find out from a boy. He was taught since he was a boy all about the commandments of God. He was taught about God. And Jesus meets him right where he's at and says, you know the commandments. And he reminds them. But this was insightful for me. When Jesus names the commandments, he's not talking about the first commandments, the first table about you shall have no other gods before me and not taking the Lord's name in vain. He's talking all about the second one, about loving our neighbor. He says, you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. What was it about the man? He was following the scriptures, but he knew something was missing. There was something not quite right. He knew it. There's got to be more. There's something I'm missing. And he knew in his heart something was, was just not all there. Something was lacking. And he went right to Jesus because he was looking for an answer. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Boy, don't miss that sentence. Jesus looked right at him loved him. Let's start there. He loved him. And so what he's about to do, he knew might hurt, but he loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Isn't it interesting? One thing you lack. You're right, you've kept the law. You've kept the the commandments, you're right. But one thing, one thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I pondered greatly this week. One thing you lack. What would Jesus say to you? If he looked at you and loved you right now and he had a conversation with you and he looked into your life, what do you lack? What's preventing you from following Jesus fully? Because he said, sell everything, give to the poor, you have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. So, Is there, here's my question for you, I think it's God's question for you, is there anything lacking in your life? Is there anything that you're doing? Is there anything deep in the corners of your heart? Is this one you might have to go really deep? Is there anything preventing you from following Jesus? Is it a fear factor? Is it a trust factor? What is it? 
Is there anything? And you're going to have to. This is, this is individual. This is not a universal. This is an individual. Like soul-searching time. Look inside. Is there something hindering me? Is there something hindering you from fully following Jesus? What he said to this man is not universal. Meaning, he's not asking every follower of Jesus to do what he told this man to do. He's not telling Christians, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. He's not saying that to everybody, but he might be saying that to you. Because sometimes we look at that and we go, oh, oh if we want to follow Jesus, then we can't have anything. We've got to sell everything. We've got to give it all away. And then we can go follow him. He didn't say that. See, this man had great wealth. Look at At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And there's a hint. And it wasn't the wealth that was the issue. It was a heart issue. There was something with God gave him this great wealth. Every good and perfect gift is from above, but our humanness, our brokenness can take something good of God and turn it into something bad. We can do that with almost anything, that we can take something good and we can turn it into something bad immediately. And so somehow, whatever it was that was good, this wealth was good and could be used for great purposes, was now used for something bad inside of him that nobody knew about wasn't outward. He didn't come flaunting on a big white horse on the best chariot he had. There was something about this man came running up. You couldn't probably tell he was wealthy and had great wealth. But something in his heart was a stumbling block. That this wealth was preventing him from following Jesus. Was it a trust factor for him? Was it that as his stockpile grew that he kept the commandments but he was very slowly like trusting in all of his wealth except wealth couldn't buy him heaven and he knew that. See he knew something was amiss. Like I have all this wealth. I've kept the commandments. I'm good. But something in him has said no you're not. No, you're not. Something's wrong. So he asked the question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? It wasn't a commandment issue. It was a heart issue. Something good caused something bad inside of him. And boy, can't we do that? We can take good things in our life and they can very quietly Nobody knows, very quietly in our life, very quietly in our hearts, very quietly turn into something bad. And that was what hindered him from following Jesus. This actually, this verse, at this the man's face fell, he went away sad because he had great wealth, is considered the saddest verse in the whole gospel of Mark because he went away 
Was there a change of heart in him? We don't know. We never hear again. But it must have been grueling for Jesus because he could see this man wasn't able to do that. At least at the moment. You can't give this up in your life, can you? You can't give up something that's so precious to you to follow me. You're going to hold on to that and it's going to cost you eternity because you can't let that go. What is it for you? Do some soul searching. Do some, open up those closets. Go deep into those closets. Dust off the shelves. What is it that's deep inside of you that may be just holding you back like, I can't give this up. I just can't give it up. And he went away sad. And I would imagine tears welled up in Jesus' eyes. Because he knows how long eternity is and how short life is. And we would probably laugh at the great wealth today. What was it? Sheep? Camels? Maybe it was gold, silver. It was just stockpiled. So then Jesus looked around. Isn't that interesting? The man goes away sad. And Jesus looks around. Like, looks at all the people. I found that really interesting. Because when he looked at all the people, he could see every, everything. He could see what everybody was lacking. He could see what was preventing them from following. He could see them to their hearts. He looked around and then he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean like take a little needle, you know, you know that you're threading and stuff a camel through there? No, Jesus is not mocking. I, I don't have a picture. You can look it up. In, in Bethlehem, if you go to the Bethlehem church, and I'm, I apologize for not having the picture ready for you. When you walk into the church in Bethlehem, there's a door about this big. And, and those of you who went to Israel with me, um, we go in through that door. You walk up to the church, you got to get way down like this. And crawl under it. What do you think that door is called? The eye of the needle. Why? Because it keeps camels out. It's, it's pretty simple. All of them would have understood that. Could a camel get through there? Man, it would be hard. Impossible? Probably not. But next to impossible, yes, not without help. By himself, the camel could not do it. All of them would have understood this. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, well, then who can be saved? 
Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God, while things are possible with God. Boy, that's where the message is. All things are possible. Remember that one thing I did wrong? It's impossible to get to heaven by yourself. Camel can't get through the eye of the needle by himself. Impossible. But when you add grace and you have the grace factor, with God all things are possible because God saves us. Not because of the good that we've done, not because of the bad that we've done, but because of the goodness of God. That God in His goodness reaches down to sinners like us who are messed up, sinners like us who lack that one thing, sinners like us who mess up, and God reaches down in His grace and flips the scale and saves us. We can't take credit for our salvation. We can't be good enough for our salvation. God is good. He's the only one good. And God in His grace reaches into your life and saves you. That's incredible. That's grace. That's grace in its purest form that with man this is impossible. But with God, all things, all things are possible. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess to you how messed up we are. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for whatever it is in the corner of our hearts that we don't want anybody to know that's preventing us from following you, that you know. God, I'm asking that you would gently, because you love us, to point out whatever it is. If there's anything in us, if there's anything in us at all, God, that's preventing us from fully following you, would you lovingly point it out to us that somehow help us to confront it, deal with it, confess it, change it. Maybe you need to eradicate it or take it out of our life. God, whatever it is, we want to follow you with all of our heart. We don't want anything hindering our relationship with you. And so we ask, we give you permission to come into our lives, into our hearts, do a house cleaning, and show us right now, Spirit, in a loving way, show us if there's anything that we lack so that we can follow you. And we pray, God, that it's not a sad day that we would be willing to confront whatever that is and follow you. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.